Hello, everybody, and uh, we're glad you're with us today as we uh, start and uh, continue on in our study in Matthew 16. You need to put the screen back to me. You took me off the screen upstairs. There we go. Thank you. Um, uh, we're going to continue on. I think I need to be on that one. Maybe I don't. Maybe you guys were right. Sorry. I'm going to keep going. The, uh, we're doing a study in the book of Matthew, and obviously you just caught us in our, one of our most high-tech moments as we... Uh, as we get all this stuff running and moving along. But the, um, the book of Matthew, as we continue to dig in, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16 today. Uh, let's go ahead and read it. We'll get started with reading it today, and then we'll talk about what we've read and where we're up, up till now. Matthew 16, verses 1 through 28. It should be on your notes, but you can also turn there in your Bibles if you have your Bibles with you. There's Bibles in the pew if you'd rather read those. Or uh, whatever. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. Uh, So if you have a different translation, it'll be a little different. But here we go. Matthew chapter 16, verse 1. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested Him by asking Him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, When evening comes, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus left them and went away. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, It is because we didn't bring uh, any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves or the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, Why, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are, you, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples all that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus uh, turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, 
and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 16. Okay, so we've been working through the book of Matthew together. We started with the entrance of Jesus into the scene, his birth, the history surrounding that, the flight to Egypt, the return. We, we, we see uh, and have seen uh, his baptism, followed by uh, the temptation. We see that he came from that uh, into what we call the teaching, uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount, that Matthews 5, 6, and 7, where he sort of undoes all of the Pharisaical teaching that's been out there for the last couple hundred years. And, and his main statement throughout that thing is, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And he's, he's undoing it. He's turning it upside down. Because over a couple hundred year span, it had become all about uh, ritual and rules, and they had lost track of a relationship with God. And Jesus came to say, no, it's, it's about having a relationship, and, and he begins to change those things. And we've talked in depth about what it looks like and, and what's happening and, and the process. Jesus then goes, beginning in chapter 8, and he begins to, uh, wherever he goes, healings are taking place, people are being delivered and set free, lives are being changed. In, in amazing ways. And what he's doing is he is demonstrating what he taught in Matthew 5 through 7 and, and, and had been teaching that the kingdom was now upon them. The kingdom was at hand. The kingdom is here. And, and we've talked about the kingdom of God at length, that it's here but not fully here. Uh, and we're waiting for the return of Christ for it to be fully here. But in the process, the kingdom is certainly here in part. And so uh, we, we, we live in, in, uh, in the beginning of the end times, an inaugurated eschatology. And it's all because Jesus has come and set things in motion. Now, around chapter 9 or so, we begin to see, though, that the Pharisees, even though they are listening to Jesus and they are seeing that he's backing up his message with miracles, they don't like the package that he's coming because he didn't come the way they expected him to. And he's, he's not just restoring them to... Um, their rightful place politically. He's not coming in and, and wiping out Rome. He's not doing the things they expected. And the Pharisees had a couple hundred years of tradition of waiting for this event and of protecting. They were, they were trying to protect what they thought was protecting the culture of Judaism against the Greek influences. And when Jesus came and he did the things that he did and he said the things that they said, even though he was demonstrating that the kingdom was upon them, they said, you know what, we... You're not the Jesus we were looking for. And they rejected. And they begin to actively attack his ministry and to plot how to kill him. And we've been seeing that through the time. And we've watched now a subtle shift in the teaching of Jesus where he has been, and he still, uh, he cares about the people of Israel and he's continuing to work among them. But he's really moved now by compassion and he's no longer um, really teaching to them the way that he was. He's directed his attention primarily to the disciples. He's preparing them for what's coming. And so there's been this little shift in what's happening. And yet he's still under attack. And that's what happens in the beginning of Matthew 16. Uh, He returns to Israel. Remember the last time we saw him, he was ministering to Gentiles, which was pretty cool in the last chapter, which was good news for us. And and, and so uh, he's he's now back into Israel proper. And now he comes under attack in, in, in the first 12 verses from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, we've been talking primarily about the Pharisees. The Sadducees were another 
sort of a group of religious leaders with a, a slightly different philosophy than the, the Pharisees. And, and mostly the differences were in um, their believing uh, or what they believed about the afterlife. And that the Pharisees believed in an afterlife, the, Sad- the Sadducees didn't. And I've told you how you remember that. The ones who didn't believe in an afterlife were sad, you see. Okay? That's not why they were called that, but that works for us. So, um, so but on this point now, they're, they're, it's like in a lot of things, when you have a, a, someone you're against, you'll, you'll take anybody that's on your side. And all of a sudden, people that don't like each other become partners. We see it happen all the time. So they're ganging up now on Jesus. And, and uh, they come and they ask him for a sign from heaven. And what they're doing in asking him is they're rejecting all that they've already seen more than enough. They've, they've, they've been, they're aware of what's happened. You, you can't get away from it. The nation knows what's happened. They've seen these things. And yet they come and they, and they, they say, yeah, okay, we want a sign from heaven. And uh, the thing is, they really, they're not going to believe anymore. They're just looking for more ammunition to use against him. That's every, the, the focus of every one of these attacks. It's not like if he did something, they would have gone, okay, you're it. They'd already decided he wasn't their Messiah, that he was not the Jesus, that he was not the Messiah they'd been looking for. Sorry, you're not the Christ. We don't care. But, and so now they're just trying to attack and to trap and to trick. And, and Jesus, he looks at him and he says, listen, you guys can, can, by looking in the sky, tell what the weather is going to be. And you're going to tell me that after seeing all that you've seen, you can't see the signs that the kingdom has come upon you. And he, he bounces right back and he says, you, you are a wicked and adulterous group because you're just denying what's taking place. Because you, you're looking for what you want and what you want to have happen. And, and you're not staying in, in and looking at what's really taking place. And so Jesus says again, like he did a couple of chapters ago, the only sign they're going to get, their, their last chance is a sign of Jonah. Now, remember, Jonah is, is the sign of you know, three days and three nights in the belly of a whale. We know that we're going to, they're going to get the sign that everyone needs from heaven is what took place at the cross. It's the death and resurrection of Christ. That's it. That's the, that's the big sign that we all get to decide on how we're going to go, where we're going to go, how we're going to choose, who we're going to follow. And so... Um, all of that is, is taking place. And he says that's the only sign you're going to get. And then he, uh, Jesus warns the disciples uh, uh, against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And, and I, I think it's kind of funny because they, they, they haven't brought any bread with them. And, and they go, well, he's, he's upset because we didn't bring any bread. And I, I, you just imagine Jesus kind of every once in a while just scratching his head going, wow. Because <laughs> I think that's what he does. It's the big... Oy vey, you know, because he was Jewish. Ah. And, he, and he looks, and he says, he look, and, he, and he actually goes, seriously, you think I'm talking about bread here? Do you not remember the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000? The, the bread is not the issue, guys. You have little faith. You don't trust me. It's not about bread. And then they go, oh. And they put it together. What he was talking about was the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they get it. And he's saying it's like yeast. It's bad, and it works its way through uh, an entire situation. And, and so that's what he's warning them about uh, is this teaching. He says, be careful. Don't buy into the teaching. He's been unteaching it, but, but it's so prevalent. It's so easy to move back to. And, and uh, it's, it's so easy for all of us to move back in the direction of rules and, and because it seems easier. 
And, it, it's, it's, and yet we have to live out of a response and a relationship to God. And, and so we have to keep remembering because we all have a tendency to put God in a box. We've all got our own little theologies and stuff. And I get it. I mean, that's part of what we do. But, but we always have to be careful that we don't limit God by putting him in a box. He don't fit in any of our boxes. And, and he, he usually lets us know that he doesn't fit very well in there. But sometimes we can get so, so short-sighted that we miss God. Well, God wouldn't do that. There's some things I know that, that, that you know, he's not going to contradict his word. But there's a lot of stuff that's not in the book that people would be shocked that, that you know. And so we have to be careful because we don't want to become like the Pharisees and trying to protect um, our, our, our relationship, our, our walk, Christianity, whatever, from the culture that we don't miss God in the process because everybody before us has. And then we have to be real careful with that. So, um, verse 13 through 17, we get the big question. And this is sort of a pivotal part, a very pivotal, pivotal is not the word. I'm going to get it right. Pivotal. Thank you. I was adding a, a book in there. It's a very pivotal part of the book of Matthew. Because Jesus asked the big question, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they have different answers. Most of them are pretty complimentary. Oh, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. It's pretty good. But Jesus says, well, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And we get the amazing answer that changes everything from Peter. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ. Christ means anointed one or Messiah. Peter gets it. Peter knew. that The nation of Israel is rejecting Jesus. They're pushing him away. The religious leaders are saying, you're not the Messiah. But Peter gets it. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's huge. And, and it's, it's sort of a turning point. Things begin to happen now uh, in, in the rest of the chapters. In verses 18 through 20, we get a few verses that may be some of the most discussed in the history of the church. Uh, who or what is the foundation that Jesus will build his church on? What does he mean in those verses? Let me read them to you, 18 through 20. It says this. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So out of that are some pretty interesting topics. Um, what is this foundation that Jesus is talking about? He'll build a church on. What are the keys of the kingdom? What is binding and loosing all about? Well, let's start with the first one, um, the foundation. Um, some people believe and, and uh, that when Jesus says what he says there, that he's saying that, that Peter is who he's going to build the church on. Um, Peter's name was actually changed to, to mean, some people, it, it, rock, but it's probably better to pronounce little stone. Um, but but uh, some big chunk of the church believes that, that the church is going to be built on, on, on Peter, that he would be the cornerstone of the church. Known as the first pope, there's, there's a lot of movement in that direction. Um, some people believe it was the testimony of Peter, the, 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 the idea that he got it, the witness, the... Uh, that Jesus is the Christ. 
That, that's, that realization is what the church would be built on. That, that, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to take place. Another way to look at it, though, is grammatically in the Greek, and, and probably best supported by the rest of the text, is that, that there's this little shift in there, and, and Peter says, you know, you get it, and, and it's on himself. That the rock there, Jesus is talking about himself. I'm going to build this church. It's, it's built on Christ as the foundation. Um, that's supported in verses like 1 Corinthians 3.11 where it says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 3.11 if you want to go and look at it later. And so, um, uh, uh, pretty much I, I believe there that, that Jesus is talking about that he's the foundation of the church. But uh, it could be any of the, the three. I'm, I'm pretty flexible. Um, uh, and just saying it's pretty widely discussed. All right? So uh, that's, that's generally where people take that. Now, the keys of the kingdom and, and binding and loosen have been, loosing have been talked about in the church forever. What does it mean? Uh, some people say, you know, that Peter was given the keys of the kingdom, and primarily he's the one who sort of opens the doors to the two big people groups. He does it in, uh, to, the, to the Jews in the book of Acts uh, in the beginning there in uh, Acts chapter 2. And then it happens again in the house of Cornelius with the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10 that it's like the key, he has the keys that swing the door open to invite people in. That's the way some people look at it. I have an idea that, um, uh, the, that they all sort of wrap together. The, the keys of the kingdom talks about the authority that's given to us, and we've talked about that over time. And, and binding and loosing uh, are all sort of part of what the church is going to be. Jesus never gives up the headship of the church. He doesn't turn it over to anybody. Um, that's not what any of those things mean. He, he is the head. We are his body. We're his hands. We're his feet. And, and in relationship to him, we are to be his church. And the church is to be the instrument of the kingdom of God here. Uh, we're to be an expression of the kingdom of God. And that as we, uh, in relationship with Jesus, are, are doing uh, the things that, that he's called us to do, um, we, we, we have his authority that comes from his spirit and the word of God to, to go and do the things that, that he taught us to do and told us to do. And that as we come and, and stand for Jesus and uh, tell people about the reality of sin and the possibility of forgiveness of sin, we are bringing into the concept the idea of binding and loosing, that, that um, sin is a reality and, and yet you can be forgiven of your sin in Christ. And so uh, ultimately what we have to get from the text is that, that we're an expression of the kingdom, that, that we, that's our calling, that we live out life as an expression of the kingdom of God. And, and uh, that's what we're, we're doing. When, and we, we extend his grace and his mercy and the good news of the kingdom in the process. The, the, gate of, uh, the gates of Hades reference is also very important because it, was a, uh, it would have been a sort of a common uh, analogy at the time to death. And, and I believe what he's saying there is even my death is not going to stop what's about to take place. And, and it's sort of the first inkling of what's about to come. And, and uh, in fact, it's, it's not going to stop what's coming. It's, it's sort of the catalyst, the death and the resurrection for the church. And so he, he, he says that there in those verses. And then starting in verse 21 and following, uh, he begins to talk about his death. Uh, a lot, but his disciples don't get it. He's trying to prepare them, but they don't get it. And uh, to the point where Peter, who got the great revelation from God about who Jesus is, gets in Jesus' face and says, because Jesus says, listen, I've got to die, uh, and these things are going to happen. And he's not hearing the, the resurrection part, 
And he, and he just go, he goes to Jesus, no, that's not going to happen. And he gets rebuked uh, sternly for not having in mind the things of God, but in the things of man. What's he hanging on to? He has this expectation, as did the nation, of what's going to take place. And that, that those guys are still hanging in there, hoping to be the most important guys in this political kingdom in the process. They don't get the full revelation of what's taking place, and they won't until the events of the cross unfold. And then he goes in and he gives them advice about life with him and what it looks like, what it means to be a disciple. And, and it, it's a big verse that comes up all the time where it says, listen, if you want to follow me, you, you have to, if you want to find life, you have to lose it. And, and what you're going to have to do is that uh, if anyone would come after me, it says in verse 24, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And uh, each one of those points is kind of interesting. Denying yourself... Um, is, is not talking about not enjoying the things that God has created for us. Because sometimes that's where we take it. Oh, that's what it means. Is that, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to live in, I'm supposed to deny myself. And, and there's lots of text that talks about God creating stuff for us to enjoy. And so uh, he, he wouldn't contradict himself. It's denying yourself is, is more about um, not following after your, your sin nature uh, and more in yielding to the Spirit, which is where you're going to find life anyway. And so it's the realization that it's not all about you. It's, it's, uh, it's getting back to the, you're not the center of the universe. It's that concept. Sometimes we take self-denial as a way of trying to be... See, the problem with denying yourself is it becomes a real religious real fast. And, and by, I don't mean religious in a good way when I use the term. It becomes a, a ritual. It becomes a, a, a thing. And it's all, well, yeah, I'm doing that. And you've got something other than relationship. You start following rules again. And, 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 and so that's not what he's talking about. He's saying it's, it's a... It's so a yielding to the Spirit rather than, than always wanting to do your own thing. And you take up your cross, uh, and, and it, you're not taking up His cross. It says you take up your own cross. And that's a daily reminder that it's not our will but His will that needs to happen in our lives. That's basically where we're getting to there. That, that we, we're not going to follow our way. We're going to follow His way. And then He says, and then follow me. And He's not talking about it at a distance. He's talking about a very close sort of intimate walk and life. And, and that's what we're called to. That's all part of the Christian life. And, and he goes on, he says, look, and there's nothing better than this. He, he says, uh, this will be the best thing you've ever done. And he says, what, what good would it be for you to get everything the world has to offer and forfeit your soul? You'd just be lost. He says, so, so this is the way that we have to live in our life. And remembering always that, that even though we're not always doing what we, we want to do, and, and maybe we're not doing everything that the world is doing, that, that our reward is coming with Jesus. And like I always like to say, you know, as as, uh, as believers, our our benefits package is out of this world. You get some of them now, but the best ones are for later. Out of this world. And then he says something fascinating. The last verse of that chapter is fascinating. I think I tell you the truth: some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming. In his kingdom. Isn't that a fascinating verse? That verse is explained in Matthew chapter 17. So if you want to know what that verse is about, you're going to have to come back next week. <laughs> or else I'm going to have to jump ahead and I'm not going to do it. So, give you something to look forward to. And that's Matthew chapter 16. So, uh, uh, we're going to finish up here. Prayer requests. You guys can start passing them up to me. And uh, I will pray for you. If you're on, watching on the video on the Internet, if I didn't run out of recording space 
Thanks for watching. If you need prayer, they'll pray for you in the video groups or you can call us or write us or email us and we'll take care of you here.